Welcome to the Teacher Interview Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Creasel. I work as Director of Innovation and Instructional Support in Fullerton School District, and every week we sit down and get to know a teacher better. My goal is to learn what drives and guides teachers, especially when venturing into that risky territory of trying something new. Join me. Today on the Teacher Interview Podcast, we spend time with Jean Summy. She teaches at Orangethorpe Elementary School in Fullerton, California. Welcome, and thank, thank you. you for doing this. Um, I'm really excited to um, to interview you. And um, did I tell you this is a podcast? No, you didn't. Okay. I assumed <laughs> okay. it's not video, so that's okay, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, we're interviewing teachers to get a better understanding of what makes them tick, what they're interested in, and when they're risking trying new things, what like what are they thinking about? What do they value? What do they avoid? Um, one, because I'm trying to understand what innovation is. Um, like we said earlier, it's like trying something new. Like, that's it. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, that's so, I mean, we could try broad. something dumb and new. <laughs> is yeah. that innovation? Yeah, I guess it could be. So, um, trying to be smart about it. So, but the, the big goal is to get to, to know who Gene Summy is. Okay. All right. So, I, I did interview... Um, you were very kind, and you gave me several names, and I did interview two people. So I'm going to pull out my notes, and we're going to use one of the quotes Ooh, a quote. at, as okay. a jumping-off point. Um, so why don't you tell, um, give us a little bit of background, just like, you know, where you teach now, where you um, have been in the past, because we had a conversation, so I know right. you lived in other states yes. and taught and worked in schools in other states. So right. tell me, like, the story in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, okay. there you go. The story of Jean. The story of Jean. Or Jeannie. I go by both. So some people oh, will hear me and say, oh, Jean or Jeannie. But, okay. but it's okay. Um, I was born and raised in Anaheim. and um, well, That's I went where to, you live now, I right? I do live in the same house I grew up in. No yes, way. Okay. Exactly. So come full circle. Uh, I graduated from Loera High School. I went to several colleges before I figured out that I wanted to be a teacher because I started out wanting to be a sports Caster. I wanted really? to be the first woman sports caster because back in those days there that's, were none, right? That's I mean, cool. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Then I realized I didn't like journalism. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so go back, what, what made you realize that? I think it was the other people in the major with me. I just didn't feel a connection mm. with it or with the idea of just the facts. I didn't like that idea about journalism. It's yeah. very cut and dry. Okay. Um, so I didn't enjoy it. I liked the people aspect more. Um, and we didn't really get any of that as freshman journalism students. Yeah. So at that time, where were time, you your freshman year? Cal State Fullerton. Okay. Uh, at that time, I was also helping coach a team, so I was always working with kids, and okay. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And so I sort of steered myself toward education. So I ended up at um, Iowa State University, which my um, my parents were. Uh, they got married in Iowa. They lived in Iowa. My okay. mom was from Iowa. So was I ended there family up there. back there when you I, went to yes, college? Yes, I still had family back there. My grandmother okay. lived there. Um, so it, that was great because I got to connect with them. Uh, and those are cousins we hardly ever saw because they're so far away from California. So was family part of picking the Iowa State? Well, it sort of was. Originally... Sorry, let's, your microphone fell sideways. Okay. Let's, uh, 
Can you still hear me? Is yeah, you okay. sound good. So yeah. I was Let me clip it on somewhere. Is that better? Uh if you can yeah. I think okay. so. That sounds good. That's better? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so why um, Iowa? Yeah, I went to Iowa because uh, originally I wanted, my big dream was to go to a Big Ten school. I wanted to go to the, for some reason, and so my dad had been uh, graduated. For sports? I mean, is no. that why? Oh, no. No. Well, no, just the experience of but a big college. But you wanted college. to be a sportscaster. Well, originally I thought of that. Okay. That didn't happen, so um, my grandmother, I wanted to go to the University of Iowa originally. My grandmother suggested, you know, you should think about Iowa State. Okay. Where my uncle had gone there. My grandfather had gone there. She and um, one of my uncles, who he died in World War II, uh, as a Marine, he was a graduate there. He got both his bachelor's and his master's there. So I had a big connection to it. I applied there. The response from their counselors was so one-on-one and so personal. Oh. I, I was shocked myself after having come from Cal State Fullerton. No offense, <laughs> but uh, I, I got a personal letter. I got a personal phone call. We'd love for you to come here. And, and I was not like an A student. I mean, I, I did okay, but uh, I was real enthusiastic about going there. So I went there. That's cool. I left in January. So it was like 72 degrees here. And I got off the plane in Des Moines and it was 17 degrees. And I thought, yeah. what am I getting into? So, um, uh, that's how I started at Iowa State, and I stayed there and graduated, and then I got a degree in uh, elementary education. Oh, okay. So, but couldn't find a job in Iowa, so I came back to California, and I started working in Santa Ana, in okay. the parochial schools, the, the Diocese okay. of Orange. Okay. Then I moved on to LA Unified, which was an interesting experience, but great experience. I yeah. mean, you, you learn everything um, when you work in the district. That was a huge district. Yeah. Uh, I had a really great principal, though, and she put me on a path of leadership right away. Uh, then I moved to Oklahoma. My husband and I were mm. married in Oklahoma. He left the army in Oklahoma, and so we spent 10 years there. And uh, taught first, this, second, and third. I don't know a lot about Oklahoma. Is this Oklahoma City? It was Oklahoma City okay. Public Schools. That's a good guess on my part. Yes, Could have been very tested. good, but there's a lot, there's a lot of um, uh, schools in the surrounding areas. Oklahoma City Public Schools is a very urban school oh, district. I might have uh, a question for you about okay. that. Okay. So coming from LA, Oklahoma City, it was very similar. So Surprisingly, yeah, it was yeah. very similar. Um, and so I spent 10 years there and three of the years I spent as a principal, I actually was an elementary school principal for three years, which was great. And then we came back home to help my mom. She'd had some health problems, so I took okay. some time off. Took a break, which I don't recommend, but for your retirement, but it's okay. Yeah, it's good to be at home, and, um, and then I went back to work and came into Fullerton. So that's how I ended up. It was a long road to that's Fullerton cool. Elementary. That's interesting. So let's just flash back to urban teaching in an urban environment. So mm -hmm. I had the uh, the good fortune to connect with Stephen, your husband, on the phone, and so one of the things um, he shared was a story about. Um, you working in, uh, there's a lot of different ways to describe, but we could say urban or we would say, you know, places impacted by poverty or low socioeconomic, yeah. um, various kinds of challenges. So he, he said that was typical, like where you would work. And he mentioned that you had done home visits. Yes. Okay. So, and I think he was telling me a story about a home visit where somebody, a mom, a woman was irate. No, that was actually... Uh, okay. Back to school night. That was back to. That school was a back night? to school night. She was came he in. There? He actually was there because okay, he told it like he was watching. He was watching it. This yeah. woman kind of come at you yeah. and being angry, yeah. but then 
he said, what happened? Like, what did you do? Because he, he was like, I don't understand it. I think he is a background in law enforcement. He was a police officer at the time so in Oklahoma City. So he was like, City. I would have done yeah. X, Y, and Z differently, but <laughs> yeah. I just don't understand what she did. So, okay, yeah, the mom, tell the story. Okay, the, I had her son was in my class. Uh, the mom was very unhappy because something had happened a few days before where her son wasn't allowed to leave the school with his older sister who oh, was okay. not legally old enough to pick him up. And so there was a, yeah. a lot going on. So she was very unhappy. And so I was the first person that she saw coming in. And so I got to hear about it. And uh, so she did come in. She raising raising her voice, using language you wouldn't you know, typically use with okay. your child's teacher. But I'd heard it before. And so I just listened to her. Yeah. And I kind of repeated what she said. I can tell you that you're angry. I guess I had been through some kind of training with people you know, to try to understand people so that you could diffuse anger. Sure, sure. So after about five minutes or so, she was in tears and she and was Stephen upset. Said it took Twenty minutes. <laughs> it seemed like it probably, but it it might have been a little longer. But she was frustrated. You know, she, her she had yeah. kids. The the area where I taught at that time was extremely high poverty, a hundred percent Title One school, and it was different, I guess, even than in LA Unified. When you go to the South. It's just a different, with poverty there is, yeah. looks a lot different than it looks in places where I grew up. So um, I just tried to listen to her and understand her. Her, her child, he had a lot of struggles his, on his mm. own. And so I always try to get the parent on my side because I feel like if I can get the parent on my side, then there's two of us working for yeah. that child. So, yeah, for the good of the um, Yeah, I remember him saying, he said, he said, I was ready to come out of the chair to protect you and then i realized uh, you didn't need my help <laughs> so yeah that was a very interesting um story and um i was wondering i'm gonna put you on the spot that type of thinking trying to connect to the mom mm -hmm. like how would you tie that into or could you tie it into innovation somehow like there's a certain mindset like when she came at you you didn't try to like put a wall up, defend yourself, yell back, whatever. Like, are there correlations you can make with your other teaching practices in terms of like going into territory where? Yeah, I think I not, can actually. This year I've been trying to use uh, this, I know you're familiar with Flipgrid. Okay. Uh, and, and I liked, when I saw it, I thought that's so great because you can have a conversation with someone else, but you're doing it using technology, right? Yeah. And then people, you can, you can listen to other people's ideas and you can have this conversation with a whole bunch of people you wouldn't typically be able to talk to. Yeah. So my philosophy has always been that at the core of any learning and teaching is the relationship you have with whoever you're working with. So you have to build a relationship before you can teach someone. I think you have to feel like you have some sort of a relationship before you learn from someone. And so that was something I thought my kids could do that. They, because they seem to be, especially the sixth graders, they don't like to talk in front of everyone, but they love to talk in their, into their iPad. So uh, <laughs> that's one thing I think it, it's been better for them. They get, they, they're able to speak in a public setting a little bit more comfortably because they've practiced it using, you know, the technology. Yeah. So, so if, if people aren't familiar with Flipgrid, and not that I'm an expert, but they record the video into their iPad, load it up, and then it, it's in a grid, right. like the name, and then students can click on other grids and hear what the other students right. have said. And then comment back. Yeah. So you can have, you can carry on a conversation it's response. It's kind of like a video-based discussion board right. type of platform. Cool. Interesting. So, 
So, so tie that back into that willingness to encounter that mom who is very angry, like, well, that's all about connections. I mean, you have to have, you got to connect with people on a human and personal level because without that, it, it, you don't have anything. I, you have to always, I feel like that's, and I learned that as a teacher, it was very, uh, it was a, it was a great experience when I was an administrator for three years because you really, that's all you really do is connect with people. You have yeah. to connect with your parents, connect with teachers, you have to connect with community. So you have to be, you got to be able to communicate well. You have to be able to, and that part, most of that is listening. I think yeah. a lot of it is listening. So you know what's going on. That's interesting. So you, in Flipgrid, you kind of picked a tool that amplifies how students are able to listen to each other. Yeah. That's yeah, very interesting. Okay. It's fun too. It's a lot of fun. That's cool. I'll have to come, or maybe you can send me a link and I can check <laughs> we'll out try. some of your Ours students. Aren't, we're, still year, we're still innovating, <laughs> so we're learning, but it's just a, it's, it's a great tool for that. So. Okay, so now this is going to be um, a, a tough transition. So one of the other people I interviewed was your principal. Okay. And so I said, sum, sum Jean up in one <laughs> word, and she said knowledgeable. Can you respond to that? Why do you think she said that? Well, I'm glad she didn't say insufferable know-it-all. <laughs> insufferable know-it-all. Well, okay, no. so, so I'll throw this in there. One of the other words she used at the end when I said, is there anything else you want to tell me? She said, she is very humble. Oh. And so I really think I'm interested in that. Like, how does she see you as knowledgeable and humble? Um, well, maybe it's because I've had experience, um, and that could be part of it, okay. um, as a young staff, but she's a real experienced principal. I think she just values the idea that people are always willing to learn because I've never felt like I've finished learning. Mm. I always feel like there's more I can do, or there's another way I can do it. And you can always learn from your, especially from your coworkers. So, um, give me an example of that. Like that's a, a nice statement, but what does that look like at your site when you're the one going, I can always learn more. Like, what do you say or do in a certain context? Like, well, I've always, I've always been open to any teacher who would like to come into my room and observe me. I think that's great. I think that's the best way that teachers can learn. You, mm. If you can get time out of your class and just go observe another teacher to see how they do things, you get a whole different perspective on what you can do in your own class. So. Uh, I've always opened my door to teachers that want to do that and then I've kind of asked, hey, can I come and watch oh, you do that? Would you mind? Because I, here's where I struggle in this area, but you seem to really have a handle on that. Would you mind if I come in? That's a great low example. Key. Uh, I feel like teachers sometimes, uh, sometimes they, they want to be more insular just because mm -hmm. they don't realize how much they have to offer each other. When they really do. I mean, you, you see, some people are really good at some things. Others are good at other things. If you could network yourself in, in the time that you're teaching so that you could actually see someone else's way of doing it, I think that's it's very valuable. We don't get enough time to do that, though. Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately. It's, and that's interesting that you said you asked other teachers, can I, can I come in and learn for you? So it's, it's not only asking for the experience with them but it's also creating time right where you're getting a different type of input than you normally would so that that that's an interesting flip is i mean it's one thing to say hey come into my room right but then it's another thing to say i'm going to go seek these experiences 
right? Interesting. And I think that's sort of like sort of like when the doc when medical doctors are trained, they go they do rounds with a doctor, and so they get to see the doctor doing what a doctor does. You know? Yeah, it would almost be that would be a, a beneficial thing for teachers. You know, yeah. have a like a lab kind of experience where you get to go and. And see, and actually going back to Iowa State, that was one thing when I was there, they had a program called Teacher on Television. This was back in the 80s, okay? And they had a location on campus where a live video feed would come in from classrooms in the city of Ames. They had, t- they had master teachers in the city school district who agreed to be on camera. So you could go into this room and watch the teacher's classroom for the whole day, and you could see everything That's that went on in the classroom. Yeah. It was a great experience I mean, you could mm. see a lot of things i'm sure you could see things the teacher didn't want you to necessarily see but teacher that's knows, okay right right you know and you know as a student i didn't realize that but now i realize you know the warts and all i mean there's all kinds yeah. of things that go on that's sure. just part of the day yeah that's interesting i'm my wheels are turning i'm like can teacher we, can we do that here isn't that it was very yeah. innovative in those days right yeah um so if i had to break it down in terms of percent of time spent on the two words I mentioned, knowledgeable and humble. I think you spent like 80% of the time talking about how you're humble <laughs> and seeking knowledge. But um, tell me more about the knowledgeable side of... I don't know. I don't feel like I'm that overly knowledgeable. I do like trivia, but I'm one of those people that probably knows just a little bit about a lot of things. So people think that you are really like, you're more knowledgeable than maybe you are, but... So let's, let's around a long time twist before. this into more of a hypothetical because <laughs> you're struggling a little. <laughs> let's say we are trying to have more innovation happen and you have a knowledgeable staff member, somebody who's had a lot of experience, um, mm-hmm. has retained great lessons, can communicate it. Um, and let's say there's other teachers who are not there yet. You know, they're different place on their journey. How would you have that person, let's say they were trying to influence the staff, like what what qualities or characteristics could they put into play? They have the knowledge, but how do they influence colleagues? Like what have you seen that's worked or conversely just not worked? <laughs> well, I some people are better at presenting what they know than other people. And so that's kind of a tough one. I From being... In an administrative point of view, I've seen lots of things that teachers do that are really great things, but they have a hard time translating that into teaching another teacher how to do it. So I think that maybe what's beneficial, when I worked in Oklahoma City Public Schools, I was able to go through a trainer of trainers program. So I happened to work with a program called Love and Logic. It was positive discipline. I think you're familiar with Mm -hmm. Jim Fay. And um, I got to go through the course as a trainer, so then I went to Love and Logic, and once I got that information, then I could go out and train other teachers and stuff like that. I think that's valuable training for everybody, not just people that do it, you know, once in a while. But I think it it teaches you how to it teaches you how to teach and how to think about teaching. It's like metacognition about teaching. Yeah. If you understand it, why why you do the things you do, what's effective or what's not effective. I think that um, you you can be a better teacher of other people. Like you can teach them what you know. I, it's kind of weird. I guess I, that's not a hard. That's hard to explain. Yeah, um, but I think I understand. Like there's a certain you can be. Let's take baseball. Are you a baseball fan? I don't know. Yes. Okay. There you go. 
Which, Angel fan. Okay, there you go. Sorry. You grew up in Anaheim. I'm in Anaheim. So, so let's say you have a pitcher who's just amazing. Right. But that pitcher may not be able to train other pitchers. Like they may just have a superb skill set and mm -hmm. they may not really be able to break it down and communicate it. So, I mean, I, I understand from that point. But the, the pitcher could go to like a, a trainer of trainers camp and learn, oh, here's you know, seven different tools or ways to explain it to somebody else or ways to help them process it. Right. Yeah. That might help. I think also sometimes teachers don't feel like they're, maybe they might feel like, well, I don't really know any better than that other teacher and I shouldn't be telling them what to do. Yeah. But really there's a lot of value in being able to just work together as teachers and, and share ideas, which is another thing we don't get enough time to yeah. do really. That's yeah. interesting. I. I wonder, there, there's a lot of value, I'm gonna try to paraphrase what you just said. There's a lot of value in sharing. Uh, I think it got away from me. I'm trying to, to get back to that idea of, we have a lot to offer each other, but how to, how to do it. And how do you share it? Yeah, yeah how and do I was you? thinking about like, especially in innovation, things that are new or scary. Um, like uh, it came up a couple of times, the people I talked to, they said, you're, you're not afraid to try something new. You're a lifelong learner. Yeah. Um, those things, those came, things came to mind. So how do you, I guess I already asked this question, like how do you lead other people into that space? That's you, how you are. You have to just lead by doing. I think you have to be who you are and you have to be authentically wanting to learn and other people I think latch on to that yeah. motivation because that's all you, it's really all you can do. I mean, if you start legislating it yeah. and yeah. making it, then it becomes, Oh, it's one more thing we have to do. Yeah. I think that's why I think there's a lot of value in giving teachers an opportunity to take what they already know and have an opportunity to just talk about how they use it and refining it and how you can improve on it rather than continuing to add new programs yeah, one yeah. on top of the other. You never get a chance to feel like you, have mastered one thing before you're, you know, you have to do another. So yeah. So it's and you've mentioned that a couple of times is the time and uh, space maybe to to have teachers share, yeah. like just and one might be to share what we're already striving towards versus adding something new. Right. Um, that's interesting. I'm I'm curious. Do you have any? Like, let's say you had a magic wand. <laughs> I'm going to steal. Uh, uh, Pablo was here in the last interview, and he, he threw out two questions at the end. And one was like, let's say you had a magic wand and could change anything about education. Um, let's say you had a magic wand to change how teachers could share. What's something you're like, oh, if I was in charge tomorrow, we would do X so that people could have time and space to share ideas. Like I, well, I would work it into the, the, in this district, I would work it into the PLC time. I think that there's a lot of value to that. Um, if Sometimes it feels like we spend more time on, on generating data and looking at data, and that's great too, sure. because that can tell you where you need to go. But I think that there's an equal amount of value in being able to share ideas and how to do things. And I, I feel like that kind of gets pushed by the wayside just because there's so many other requirements everybody has to fulfill. It's, yeah. So I think you have to dedicate the time to let people really um, 
Let people really listen to each other, talk yeah. to each other, and maybe even demonstrate with each other how they do things. Yeah. So just dedicate a portion of the PLC yeah. to share share time, right? Demo time, and not demo just time. your grade level, mm. you know, cross grade levels, or you know, with other groups, because I think it's um, you learn a lot yeah. from getting out of your bubble. Yeah. You get used to being in the same. Even cross group. sites. I mean, we have oh, that'd even better. Google yeah. Hangouts. So you could yeah. say, "Hey, so we're gonna could... have a sixth grade district wide share fair online." Right. Just yeah. fifteen minutes. Share an idea. That's a good. That's a good idea. I'm gonna write that one. Down. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I would not use a magic wand, Wes. I'm a genie, so I would just put my arms together. Oh, really? And, yeah. Really, because <laughs> you are a genie. That's true. I get the pun now. But I have notes here that reference Harry Potter. Oh, I love Harry Potter, yeah. And specifically about you convinced your whole grade level to choose a school from Harry Potter for Halloween. Yes, we well, we have Book Character Day, and okay. so we all came as students from Hogwarts. Okay. So I was from Gryffindor, one was from Slytherin, one was from Hufflepuff, and the other one was from Ravenclaw. And these were your fellow The teachers? other teachers, yes. Okay. And so... <laughs> And I've supplied everyone with a wand because we have okay. enough wands. So you're a genie and and I love Harry Potter. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting close to the our last few minutes. Um, I do have one. I think we touched on a lot of this, um, but your when I spoke to Stephen, your husband, he talked about you bringing robotics home and showing him, like yes. he was witnessing the things you were learning about robotics. And even though he chose, and I didn't tell you, he chose the word caring as the one word to represent you. Okay. So that's nice. That's nice. That's a great word. Yeah. However, throughout the interview, the one word he used the most was impressed. He kept saying impressive, impressed. I'm so impressed by Jean. I'm, she's just impressive. And one of the, way, the references for that was, Going into this area of robotics, yeah, and which I know it. nothing about. Yes. Yeah, and knew he, nothing. he said he had some engineering background, and <laughs> yeah, he was looking at what even, you're doing, going, well, "I don't know what's happening." <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about like learning robotics. You, you're at home. You yes. take the robots home. I took the robot home. Well, it was last year and the year before last when they first started the Robot Nation program, they needed a teacher because someone has to moderate the program and someone's got to teach the kids or at least facilitate sure. them. So um, I volunteered to do it. Okay, so I'm there. And how much do you know about robotics? I know zero <laughs> about robotics. Uh, but that's okay because we'll learn. And so we had people come in and they trained us in how to use it. We took a couple little classes. But it was really more of a, a learn by doing, which is what the kids do. You, okay. you give them the basics, but they pretty much run with it. So. Uh, there I was in the summer. I had my little robot, and I was programming it to do certain things, and, uh, and it was great. I love it now. I mean, I'm, I'm still not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but the kids love it. It's something that's so motivating for them. I would have hated to not be able to offer it for yeah. them. So, you know, I'm, I'm willing to take a little bit of a hit <laughs> because I soon found out that wow some of these kids are really good at this and they know a lot more than I know yeah. that's okay um, that's, that's that doesn't great. bother me either so yeah yeah and they probably enjoy that oh like, they love it being in that Show space me. where yeah. yeah I'm leading yes I would like yeah and I have a couple of students in my class now that are really really high functioning in math and 
I have no problem. And they love to do it too. They love to stand up and demonstrate. They love to work with other kids. So, yeah, I always feel like uh, I'm not, I don't ever feel like I'm the smartest one in the room. There's always somebody who has something to offer, and it could be in all different ways. But um, no matter what their age, they, they can teach you something. You have to be ready to learn. Very cool. So. This has been the Teacher Interview Podcast. Thank you for joining us.